Let's bow on a word of prayer, please, before we begin our message. Father, we thank you for the way in which you chose to save the world through the giving of your Son. What a magnificent, awesome story. Story of love, story of redemption. The story of Jesus and his love. Thank you. Thank you for this time of the year that we can focus on this wonderful gift, this indescribable, unspeakable gift of your Son. And as the Word of God is opened once more, we pray for the illumination of your Holy Spirit so that we might truly see who this precious, wonderful gift is, the one that you gave as the first Christmas gift to the world. And we pray that as a result, your people might be edified, might be encouraged, might be built up, might be motivated to worship more than to worry this time of the year, and to praise you rather than to party, because we focus upon who it is that we truly got at Christmas time, that first Christmas so long ago. We pray that if there's anyone here who has not yet received that gift, that today they might do so as they receive from the hands of the triune God this precious gift. And all of God's people said, Amen. <clears throat> today, I undertake my annual task at this time of the year. And that is to get Christians to focus on Christ during Christmas. To focus on God's Christmas gift rather than on the gift or gifts you will give or you will get from others. I do so because I continue to be amazed at how few professing Christians really focus on Christ during Christmas time. And I believe that my task, responsibility, obligation, privilege as a teacher of the word of God is to encourage believers, to use the old cliche, to keep Christ in Christmas. That's why we have a Christmas party on Christmas Day, especially for children, where we encourage parents simply to read the Christmas story to their children on an ongoing basis because so many children today in our Bahama Islands have never heard of Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, but it's true. And we do need to encourage you to tell them the old, old story. And so I ask you this morning, do you really know, not what, but who you really got for Christmas? As I said, I do not believe that many or most Christians do, much less those who have never placed faith in Jesus Christ. We've never really unpacked the Christmas gift that God gave us. There are many aspects of this gift that are still left wrapped. We haven't opened it completely. And so I will endeavor during the next three Lord days to focus on this particular area and to remind you from the word of God 
that when God gave us Jesus Christ that first Christmas so long ago, he gave us the best he had. The best. Listen to these amazing verses once again for the first time. Verses that you are well aware of. But perhaps we need to stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance. For unto us a child is born. Now notice this phrase. Unto us a son is given. That's Isaiah 9.6. Notice the son is given. The child is born. The son was a son before the child was born. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. A son shall be brought forth. Galatians 4.4. 4. But when the fullness of the times was come, the fullness, the apex, at the right moment, couldn't come one minute earlier, one minute later. Had to be at this particular time. But when the fullness of the time was come, when time was ready to deliver the gift planned by the triune God, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. These are amazing words, awesome words. God sending forth in Galatians 4.4 4 was Mary's bringing forth in Matthew 1.23. These texts are clear. Jesus existed before he was brought forth by Mary. He had a pre-born existence. Yeah? He had a, now take this right, a preconceived existence. In other words, he existed before he was conceived in the womb of Mary. He existed before he was conceived or divinely and miraculously placed in the womb of the woman, the virgin, the teenager called Mary of Nazareth. You know, amazingly, even if he was examined at that time, using the latest in DNA technology that we have today, no scientist could have determined that he was God. His DNA would not have showed that. They would have or not have had any basis for coming to such a conclusion. His deity was not something that was scientifically determined or genetically determined. It, only, it could only be divinely revealed. Listen to the words of the Apostle Peter. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? 
They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Ask yourself that question today. Who do you say the first Christmas gift was? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by men, but by my Father in heaven. Did you get that? The deity of Jesus Christ was a divine revelation to Peter. He couldn't figure this out by genealogy. And I believe this happens every time a person places faith in Jesus Christ. The triune God reveals to that sinner who Jesus Christ is in a way that no preacher or teacher can ever do. And when they are impacted with that revelation, that's when regeneration occurs. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is why I believe that in order for us to truly understand and appreciate the Christ of Christmas, we must first understand and appreciate the Christ before Christmas. Or to put it in a little bit more theological way or to, under, to, and to understand his incarnate experience or his incarnate existence we must first of all understand his pre-incarnate existence to truly understand what we got or who we got at Christmas time the first time the passage in Matthew 1.23 says that his name at least one of his names was Emmanuel, actually it's a title, it's not really a name, it's a title. Emmanuel, God with us. Now this suggests that there was a time when God was not with us. At least in the sense he was with us as Emmanuel. It tells us quite explicitly that Jesus was and is God. Did you hear that? Jesus was as that tiny babel and is right now sitting at the right hand of his father, God. That's what you got at the first Christmas. God is a gift. How amazing. How awesome. God as a gift. Galatians 4.4 tells us that God's son Emmanuel was sent forth when the fullness of time was come. What amazing words. He was not sent to earth via the womb of the, Mary, the Virgin Mary until time itself was ready to deliver him. Time itself 
came to the time of, fulfill, of fulfilling its pregnancy. The fullness of time. It was only, not only Mary who was great with child. It was time. 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 Great with God being manifested in the flesh. Time. 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 Waiting for this expression of the greatest miracle that man has ever heard of. When God became a man in that stinking place we call a bond. Mary was ready. So was God. Mary's divine delivery was a result of time's sovereignly determined delivery itself. Paul calls the result of this double divine delivery the mystery of godliness. Listen to what he says. Without controversy, great is the mystery. Oh, I love that. You see, we've taken the mystery out of Christianity. We're trying to make it too practical, pragmatic. Now, it's that that's there, mind you. But you cannot detach it from its mystery. The divine mixed. No, 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 no. In Christ, the natures were never mixed. Separate, but one person. How could that be? Mystery. How could he be living in your life right now because you received him as a gift? How could it be? Mystery. How could he transform a drunkard, a drug addict? How could he transform a sinner into a saint? Mystery. How could a holy God live within a filthy bond like my body and yours? Mystery. But we have lost it. And so our worship is not what it should be anymore. Because God is our friend. Our buddy. The man up next door. How you doing? No, 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 no. There's mystery here. Do you know what you got? At that first Christmas? And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Notice, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, sane of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. This is the capsule, if you want, of the entire incarnate existence of Emmanuel, God with us. We'll come back to this at another time during our series. But right now, our concern is the pre-incarnate existence of the person of Emmanuel. What was he like? What did he do? Before he was revealed to us as Emmanuel, the first Christmas gift. What was he like and what did he do when he was... God away from, or God not with us. What was he like when he was not Emmanuel?
Well, there's only one thing I want to focus on this morning, and I've said it before, but I need to say it again. He was and is the eternal son of the eternal God. Now, friends, please, you said, I've heard that again and again. Do you revel in it? Do you really understand it? The mystery, the depths of God's wisdom contained in that statement that Jesus, first Christmas gift, is the eternal son of the eternal God? You see, this is the kind of truth that drives us to worship and praise rather than worrying about bills and partying on Christmas time. And I say to you again, this above all else, this truth, is the central focus and emphasis of divine revelation concerning the first advent of Jesus Christ. It's not simply that Jesus is a son or the son of a virgin or even the son raised from the dead. All these things are true. But the point of the divine revelation is that Jesus is the divine son of the eternal God. The emphasis is upon his divinity and the mystery of his eternality as a son. It presents the awesome paradoxical divine truth that Jesus the eternal son was as old as his eternal father. This has to be the case. If the father is an eternal divine father, then the son has to be an eternal divine son. Can you be a father without a son? You can no more have a father without a child than you can have a child without a father. Thus, if the father is eternal as a father, then so must his son be eternal as a son. Mystery. To put it very succinctly, Eternal fatherhood demands eternal sonship. And eternal sonship is the result of eternal generation. And in eternal generation, the father cannot in any way exist before the son. Now, this may be true, in fact, it is true of human generation. The father, the chicken, comes first. In this case, well, the rooster comes first. But that's not true with the divine. The relation of the eternal father to the eternal son is eternally correlative and simultaneous. There never was a time when they did not exist as father and son. That's the flip side of the mystery of godliness that is manifested in the humbling incarnate existence of Christ. Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the glory of his in, of his pre-incarnate eternal existence with the Father. I want you to enter into the mystery of this, the wonder of this, the awesomeness of this truth this Christmas. I want to prepare you to really celebrate Christmas the way you should by worshiping this one. Who is this one? 
Let's see, turn one. Listen to this. It was something I picked up from one of my relatives, R. Robert G. Lee. No, really, he was not a relative. He was a great preacher. This is what he said. He called it Jesus, the infant of days. In eternity, Jesus Christ rested on the bosom of the father without a mother. In time, he rested on the bosom of a mother without a father. An uncreated divine person who had eternal pre-existence. He took the form of a created being and became in time what he was not in eternity. Flesh. He was the great creator born of the creature woman. God who in Eden brought forth a motherless woman from the body of a man in Bethlehem's barn brought forth a fatherless man, man from the body of a woman. And Christ, the ancient of days, became Jesus, the infant of days. Have you, have, have you ever heard of anything more wonderful than that? More awesome than that? That's what you got. That's who you got. Christmas listen to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word notice what it says the sun in his eternal state is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, his nature, his essence. He's God. The eternal son manifests the splendor of God's glory, given even as the created son is manifested in the glory of the brightness and splendor of its rays. And even as the rays of the created son, S-U-N, cannot exist without the inherent essence of the sun it manifests, nor can the manifested glory of the sun, S-O-N, exist without the inherent essence it reflects. He, Jesus Christ, first Christmas gift, is the exact representation of the being, the nature, and essence of the, of the divine deity because Jesus the infant of days is God the ancient of years but yet even as the rays of the sun and the sun itself are separate and distinct from each other so is the sun separate and distinct from the father I'm teaching you theology today because Christmas is one of the most basic theological truths that we should understand. Our entire salvation depends upon us understanding this truth. That Jesus is God. The Son is separate and distinct from the Father. Yes, they are one in essence, but separate and distinct in person. That's what Jesus meant when he said, My father and I 
are one, one in essence. He was referring to oneness in nature, not in authority, not even in position at this point, but in essence. This is simply to underline the fact that even though the Father and the Son are co-eternal and co-equal, they are not one and the same in person. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. This is important for us to understand who we got. That for his Christmas. Here is a diagram that the early church fathers used to teach the separateness of the persons of the Godhead. You see a diagram up there concerning the Son, the, the, the triune God. Notice, the Son is not the Father, they said. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit. However, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and the Son is God. Three distinct individuals, persons, but one God. That's the mystery, the awesomeness, the wonderment of Christmas. Do you dwell on that? Or do you just see him there in that smelly straw, the little baby? And that's all you see. The human dimension, but not the divine. If that's all you see, you've missed Christmas. You've missed it altogether. I don't care, I don't care how good your intentions are. You've missed it all together. Listen to the Apostle John as he tries to explain this mystery of godliness. In 1 1, John 1 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, John tells us here that the Son was the Word, but he tells us something else. He tells us when he was, where he was, and who he was. All in that passage. The import now, the impact of the original text here is that when the beginning begun, the word was already there. He preceded the beginning. He came before the beginning. In he was the source of the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. Now notice verse 3. Through him all things were made. All things were made. They had a beginning. But he made them. He had to be there before. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Notice now. What is he saying? He's saying that the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets were made in the beginning. But Christ, the word, was already there before the beginning began. His existence and theirs, the beginning of creation, were and are radically different. They're as different as time is from eternity. He dwells in eternity, but he created time. Now notice, John does not say the word was before the beginning. If he did, he would have described eternity within the context of time, and you cannot do that. Eternity is not simply extended time. 
Eternity is a sphere all by itself. Now you say, boy, I'm getting lost here. Good. Because I want you to focus on, what, on who you got at Christmas. You've got to finish unwrapping the gift. You've only got the human side. Eternity was and is the home of Emmanuel. He created it, time. That's where Emmanuel was before he came to be with us in the person of Jesus. He was in eternity. Now the phrase in the beginning occurs three times in scripture. And in each case, in each case what it is that begins is not directly stated but implied within the context. For instance, in Genesis 1.1, we get the beginning of what? The beginning of creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now you come to 1 John 1.1, we have the beginning of the manifestation of Jesus as the word of life. John says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, of which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the words of life. He's talking about the beginning of the manifestation of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. But now when we come to John, the Gospel of John, verse 1, we have a beginning that goes beyond both of these beginnings in 1 John and in Genesis. And all the time and every time you go to these beginnings, you find that Jesus was already there. He's already there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, was is, is an imperfect tense, meaning that whenever the beginning was, the Word was already there without a beginning reference point. He was there. I want you to get all muddled and all confused with this. Because I want you to think about who Jesus Christ is. As the word. From within his home, his abode of eternity, Jesus spoke and the beginning of time and creation began. This is how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. This starry host by the breath of his mouth, by the word of his mouth. John says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. He made all things, this Emmanuel. He made all things by the breath of his mouth. I believe this has reference to what we might call today the mega or the magnitude of his work. But then the phrase that says nothing was made that has been made refers to the micro or tiniest aspect of creation. Jesus Christ, the first Christmas gift, was responsible for them all. The macro and the micro part of creation. His word was the manifestation of his inherent divine essence even as he is the manifestation of the Father's inherent divine essence. In other words, Creation itself is a manifestation of the deity of Jesus Christ as the Word. Did you get that? 
This is how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 1 verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Creation is a manifestation of the deity of Jesus Christ. That's who you got at Christmas. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John describes, I say, the pre-incarnate Christ as the Word, the Logos, the Logos. He is the only one, John, to use this term with reference to Jesus Christ. No one else uses this Logos. It expresses, in fact, Jesus, as the Logos, expresses the very essence of the Eternal Father. Now, in the original, this word refers to the very mind and thought of God revealed. Not here, but manifested. Jesus is the manifestation of the mind, the thought, the will of God. He's the Logos. The mind of God personified and expressed. That's Jesus Christ. In eternity, he was the complete, absolute, and undiluted manifestation of the fullness of the triune God. Did you get that? In that state, before he was Emmanuel, God with us, when he was God not with us, but with God, no man could look at him and live. He too lived in light and glory that was unapproachable. That's where Jesus was. That's who Jesus was before he was Emmanuel, God with us. He lived in light unapproachable. Lara and I were talking today, this morning about Jesus Christ. And we talk about the sufferings of Jesus Christ. You look at it on the cross and so on, and he was beaten and whipped. We say, terrible. But you know, I believe that the greatest suffering Jesus Christ experienced while he was on earth was walking among sinners for 33 years. A holy God, a just God, a righteous God, rubbing shoulders with sinful men and women for 33 years. That must have been anguish unexpressible. In Philippians 2.6, Paul says about Christ, he was in the form of God, and he knew it. That's why John states in verse 18 of this chapter in the gospel, John, verse, John 1 verse 18, No man had seen God at any time. However, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, had declared him. Where was Emmanuel, where was Jesus before he became Emmanuel? He was in the bosom of the Father. Did you get this? He was in the bosom of the Father. This speaks of intimacy, 
closeness, love. Jesus as the word eternally dwelled in the bosom of the Father. He could feel the heartbeat of the triune God. He could hear and feel every beat and the pulsation of the divine heart. Only he knew the Father intimately. And only he could reveal or manifest him adequately. Listen again to the author of Proverbs 8. And he gives us a look behind the scenes before the word came to earth veiled in human flesh. In these verses he is presented as wisdom personified. I read them for you. Listen to the word of God and see Jesus Christ now being spoken of before he became Emmanuel. God with us. Where was he? In the bosom of the Father. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way. Before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting. From the beginning or even the earth was. When there were no depths I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled. Before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the death. death. When he established the clouds above. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment. When he appointed the foundations of the earth. Then... I was with him. Did you get that? Then I was with him. As one brought up with him. And I was daily his delight. There was Jesus before he became Emmanuel with us. He was in the bosom of the father giving him delight every day. Notice now. Rejoicing always before... Jesus Christ rejoicing. Rejoicing in the habitable parts of the earth. And my delights were the sons of men. What an awesome picture of where Jesus was and what he was doing. Before he became Emmanuel. Notice it says, I was daily his delight. In eternity as the eternal son. Oh get this now. In eternity as the eternal son of the eternal God. Jesus was the source of the father's joy and delight. This is where the father got his delight in Jesus. This is where God found his joy in Jesus. Next to his breast. Next to his heart. Jesus was the one who brought a smile to the father's lips and the sparkle to his eye. And this was ongoing. This was an experience that was going on all throughout eternity. The son in the father's bosom giving his father joy and bringing a smile to the father's lips. That's 
But Jesus was before he came here as Emmanuel. That's what you got at Christmas. Notice, Jesus was happy in his role. I was rejoicing always before him. Notice that always. Some say that, in fact, this is true, that we never read in the New Testament that Jesus smiled or laughed. He was on earth and he was called the man of sorrows. But that's not the way it was before he became Emmanuel, God with us. He rested, I say, on the bosom of the Father. He was always joyful. He was always happy. I wonder if Jesus danced. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. The text says he was always rejoicing before him. If you don't want to say he was dancing, surely he was singing. Rejoicing always before him. I believe Jesus danced and sung in the presence of his father. In fact, I believe they did it together. That's where Jesus was. That's what he did. That's who he was. So imagine then how and what the father and the son would feel if this eternal relationship was interrupted, even if only for a short time, 33 years. Imagine what they both would feel if one had to purposely cut off fellowship and contact with the other, if only for three hours. Imagine the depth and intensity of the void they would both experience in the depth of their divine being. Imagine the deep, agonizing, emotional pain that a divine personality could experience because his joy has left him. If you can begin to imagine such an experience on a human level, you will perhaps begin to enter into the personal pain of the eternal father and the eternal son. When the son became, in an historic sense, Emmanuel, God with us, joy for us, pain for the triune God. That's what you got. Because that's how much God loved you. To give up his very best. You and for me. What a story. What a mysterious event. Emmanuel, God with us. You could imagine this, you would then begin to enter into what Christmas meant to the triune God. 
Was it joy? Or was it pain? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. But I believe up in heaven. It was saying. Sadness. To the heavens. Because the sun has gone. Speaking humanly. Human terms. Emmanuel. God with us. As we begin to enter into what Christmas means for the triune God. Perhaps it will help us to really and truly understand. Not what. But who we got. For Christmas. Surely then. To keep. First things first. We must put Christ first in our Christmas celebrations because he was the first Christmas gift. And what you got, what I got at Christmas is so unspeakable and indescribable that caused the triune God such pain. Surely we should worship him. This Christmas season. Father. Thank you. For your indescribable. Christmas gift to us. May everyone here in this congregation today. Be in be those who have already received this gift. And if not our father. Grant we pray by the Holy Spirit. That they would do so. And all of God's people said. Amen.